Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store. Orleans Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By L.L. Bean. Inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com. By Celestron. Offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron.com. And by Chimani. Visiting a national park? Let Chimani guide you. Chimani.com. Good morning. Welcome to our show, number 609. Well, on last week's show, we talked about the fact that birds are everywhere, downtown included, and described our recent urban interaction involving a red-tailed hawk and a northern cardinal. Well, in the latest issue of Cornell Labs Living Bird Magazine, there's a letter from Steve Wren who reported his sightings in downtown Kansas City in a pocket park surrounded by skyscrapers. Back in May, he said he observed six different warbler species a family of white-throated sparrows, and a pair of brown thrashers. Pretty cool birds for what Steve describes as a mostly concrete park. And more proof that you can see interesting birds almost anywhere, including downtown. Congratulations to the participants in yesterday's Super Bowl. Yes, the Super Bowl of Birding, which is an annual event in northeast Massachusetts and southeast New Hampshire under the direction of Mass Audubon and the great Dave Larson. It's a competition in which teams of birders try to rack up the greatest number of species and earn the greatest number of points based on the rarity of birds recorded. In addition to the sightings, one of my favorite things about this Super Bowl are the names of the teams, like Twitchers in the Rye, the Wicked Pishers, a name that has special meaning for folks here in Massachusetts, and some team names preserving a little football flavor for the Super Bowl of birding. The Flea Flickers, the First Eider Downies, and the Blue-Gray Pass Catchers. And by the way, congratulations to the First Eider Downies. They won the Super Bowl of birding this year. We're returning briefly to a topic we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Why birds have beaks instead of teeth? Scientists say most of the dinosaurs were wiped out probably by a huge asteroid strike 66 million years ago. Birds had evolved by then, they tell us, but only some had what it took to survive. Bird-like dinosaurs with beaks could have cracked into a Cretaceous leftover, seeds, which provided calorie-rich food that could have lasted for decades other bird-like dinosaurs with sharp teeth, but no beaks would have had trouble eating those seeds. That might explain, say the scientists, why they succumbed while their close relatives, ancestors of modern birds, survived. Good source for more on this story is the website sciencenews.org. Well, it's still time to enter the 2017 Talking Birds photo contest, but not much time. The deadline is February 5. At midnight, to our first prize winner, we'll send a Celestron Hummingbird ED Micro Spotting Scope, compact enough to carry in a vest or coat pocket, but very powerful. Our first runner-up winner gets a pair of Celestron 8x32 Trail Seeker binoculars, named as best in class, by the way, in a National Audubon magazine recent review. 
And our second runner-up winner will receive our fabulous Talking Birds book sampler, which includes the Cornell Lab of Ornithology's magnificent large-format photography book, The Living Bird, 100 Years of Listening to Nature, along with Cornell Lab's Bird Brainiac's Activity Journal and Logbook for Young Birders, and a signed copy of Mike O'Connor's Why Do Bluebirds Hate Me? Pretty simple to enter. Just take a photo of a bird in the wild and email one photo to us at this address, ray at talkingbirds.com. Remember, no G in talking, ray at talkingbirds.com. Once again, take a photo of a bird in the wild and email it to us. Photos will be judged on quality of composition, creativity, and originality. The address again, ray at talkingbirds.com. Happy snapping and good luck. Well, great thanks to more Talking Birds ambassadors who've joined our new ambassadors program, spreading the word about our show and about birds and conservation. Thank you to Daniel in Riverview, Florida, near Tampa, Louise in Providence, Rhode Island, and Joe in Pembroke, Massachusetts. Thank you so much for joining our program. Talking Birds listeners, we'd love to have you become an ambassador. Just hand out a few cards to friends and neighbors and associates. And to find out how to do it, it's really easy. Just go to TalkingBirds.com, click on the Contact button, and then uh, choose the Become an Ambassador option. That's TalkingBirds.com, Contact button, and the Become an Ambassador option. A little preview here of our Mystery Bird Contest coming up in just a little while here on the show. Here's the sound of our bird... We'll offer one clue, so you'll be ready to call in when we do the contest. Our mystery bird is a large, long-legged raptor with a black cap and a short crest. It has bare red skin on its face and a white neck and a mostly black body with faint barring on the upper back and breast. A little preview of our mystery bird contest. Extra, extra, read all about it. Here are some of the stories and videos we have for you on our Facebook page uh, this week. Number one... A new Audubon Society climate change report says that shrinking and shifting ranges could imperil nearly half of U.S. birds within this century. Are birds cut out for city living? Despite what we reported earlier, scientists say that urbanization is a mixed bag for our avian friends. And there's new research on how birds save their strength by flocking in V-shaped formations. Some of what we have for you on our Facebook page right now. Don't forget, you can also find those stories through an online search if you're not a Facebook follower. In our blog this week, How Birds Provide Biodiversity Services That Sustain Ecosystems, our Debbie Bleacher explains the research about this being done by London's Imperial College. That's on this week's blog, easily found at TalkingBirds.com. Still to come on our show today, why are those Florida scrub jays so friendly? We'll find out about that along with a wonderful new way to learn about warblers. With the Cornell Lab of Ornithology's Dr. Kevin McGowan, we'll talk with him this morning. And we'll also talk with our man Mike O'Connor from the Birdwatchers General Store, Cape Cod, who's back from Florida's scrub jay country to help us out with our winter birdbath situations. That's in our Let's Ask Mike segment. And up next, a bird that yours truly had the pleasure of hearing, though not seeing, down in Florida last winter, is today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend. Talking Birds is made possible in part by Celestron, a leading optics company offering binoculars and spotting scopes for birders of all levels. 
Celestron is dedicated to education and bird conservation and proudly supports many nonprofit organizations that share the same commitment. Celestron says we care about birds and nature in our backyard as well as yours. Enhance your view with Celestron. Visit Celestron.com and discover more. Today's featured feathered friend flies at night, catching moths in June, scarab, click, and longhorn beetles, and dragonflies, and small birds, and bats. Summering in the pine and oak hickory forests of the southeast and mid-Atlantic states, and wintering in South Florida, Mexico, and the Caribbean. Resting motionless on the ground or a horizontal branch by day, our bird's dappled brown plumage blends almost invisibly into the surroundings. At dusk, and often into the night, its seemingly endless calls speak its name. Chuck Will's Widow. It's the largest of the night jars, those members of the Caprimulgidae family whose gaping mouths earned them the folk name goat suckers, since farmers believed they sucked the milk from the goats in their barns. Chuckwill's widows build no nest, laying their eggs instead directly on the ground among dead leaves, pine needles, or on bare earth, relying on their camouflage colors to hide them from view. As with other goat suckers, the eyes of the Chuckwill's widow reflect light directly back toward the source. They will often sit on gravel roads after dusk, and their orange to red eye shine can be seen with the headlights of a car or a flashlight. It's a bird whose call has inspired colorful nicknames like Hollerin' Boys, Twixt Hell and the White Oak, and the Dutch Whippoorwill. It's known scientifically as Capromulgus carolinensis. It's today's Talkin' Birds featured feathered friend, Chuck Will's widow. Thanks again for being with us for our show number 609. We hope you'll visit our website, TalkinBirds.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Talkin' Birds. Dr. Kevin McGowan is an ornithologist at the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, where, among other things, he developed the very popular website allaboutbirds.org and oversees the long-running home study course in bird biology, also very popular, and continues to develop new online courses in bird identification and behavior. And we're happy to welcome him back to Talking Birds. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning. Great to have you back with us, Kevin. Now, you know a little something about Florida scrub jays, having earned your Ph.D. for work on the social development of young members of the species. And uh, as, uh, as I think you know, our man Mike O'Connor was down there in Florida last week, and uh, partly in search of Florida scrub jays, he found some, and one even landed on his head. But he's okay, yeah. and so is Mike. So, <laughs> so what about this behavior? Uh, why are they so friendly? If that's the right word, well, it is kind of the right word. I spent uh, I spent about a thousand hours following Florida scrub jay families uh, around the scrub, taking data on them, and they let me do that. They let me follow them for a couple hours at a time. the uh, The kids even got to the point when when they were growing up, they would investigate me and land on my head and on my shoulder and. 
Hmm. One even determinedly pecked a hole through the middle of my hat. That Every time I would show up, he would attack my hat. Wow, that must um, have taken a while. <laughs> well, I spent a lot of time out there with him, so it was uh, it was pretty interesting. They're actually really fun birds. Um, they're very personable. Uh, they have what's what's known as cooperative breeding, where just like the the crows that I study, the kids stay with their parents for a number of years before they go off and breed on their own. And so you have these fun little family groups. Um, and scrub jays just seem to like people unless they have a reason not to, whereas crows are kind of the opposite. That mm. They have learned to kind of dislike people unless they have a reason not to, although that's changing to some extent. Uh, probably historical for how they've interacted with people to some extent mm-hmm. and how they interact with other organisms to find food. And things like uh, scrub jays actually will, they'll land on the backs of deer and, and pick ticks and things like that. And as a consequence, they're used to kind of hanging around other animals, I think. Mm-hmm. So there's Florida scrub jays that, w- that you were talking about there specifically. And then there are these other jays, like gray jays, for example. They Pretty similar behavior, would you say? Oh, very much so, yeah, yeah. They, exactly. That's the thing is you can go places where... Uh, you know, you could wander up into the boreal forest in Canada and run into a, a pair of gray jays who've never seen people, maybe, and they'll come over and investigate, and you can often get them to, uh, to eat out of your hand. So there are a few jays like that. Uh, some other jays, like our blue jay, they don't do that. They just really uh, want to keep some distance. Uh, and some of the other jays out west, like pinion jays, are a little harder to to tame down to get to be hand tamed too. So there there are differences that we see among the species. And then there are places and individuals that uh, you know figure it out or get trained to do that or on the opposite get scared away. So you know it's really fun to go to some of these parks where the jays know people both in in places in in Canada and uh, for Florida scrub jays uh, where they come and will will land on your hand for food. It's okay. it's 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 pretty cool to be able to have birds do that. It is cool indeed. Well, you've been studying crows, Kevin, of course, for a very long time. And I know you've talked about the complex uh, family life uh, that crows have. Does that apply to the same way with uh, with jays and other corvids? Uh, Some, not all. The corvids, the jays, crows, magpies, and and nutcrackers have a fairly, it's a pretty big family, and they do a, a range of different things. Um, some of the jays, like Florida scrub jays, the Mexican jay, some of the tropical jays, they have family lives that are very similar to each other and similar to American crow, the, the bird that I study. Mm-hmm. And that is that they have a uh, basically a family like we do, that is mom and dad <clears throat> and the kids that stay with them for a few years and help raise other kids. But it's still this sort of nuclear family. And then there are other things that, like... Uh, well, actually, Mexican jays get a little bit weird because they're more of a communy kind of thing where there'll be birds feeding at multiple nests, and uh, there's uh, actually a lot of fooling around that goes on in there, too. Um, but other birds like, like common ravens are strictly territorial. That's it. You know, it's just a pair that hangs out together basically their entire life, and their kids leave pretty quickly, 
and they try to keep everybody else out of their territory who comes along. So there, there's quite a bit of variation within the, the family itself. Okay. Kevin, let's talk about your webinars, uh, internet-based seminars to teach folks about birds. I just watched the one on waterfowl. Really amazing, amazing tips on identification and behavior as well, especially through the question and answer session that's part of it. You're now working in anticipation of spring with a webinar on warblers. So tell us a bit about right. that and about the webinars. Well, I started putting together these identification webinars a few years ago, and uh, the idea is to teach people techniques to how to address a difficult group of birds. And it's not just here's all the species in it, and this is what this one looks like, and this one looks like. I'm trying to approach it in a way of how do you best approach something? How do you make sense out of something like a bunch of waterfowl? Mm. And we always recommend that you use multiple things to identify birds. You should be able to use size, shape, color pattern, markings, behavior, habitat, range, and vocalizations. All of those things are helpful, uh, but for some groups of birds, some things are more helpful than others. So, for example, in waterfowl, it's shape that helps you figure out if it's a goose or a duck or a diving duck, and then the color pattern, specifically white. If you know where the white is, you see white on a on a duck or a goose, and you know what the, where it is. You can identify that bird. And so, I'm trying to get people to get a a way to get into the family and uh, make some sense out of it. It can be overwhelming sometimes mm-hmm. to just go out and just see shorebirds all over the beach, and you don't even know where to start. Well, I'm trying to teach people where to start. All right. And so, yeah, warblers is the next one up. I did I did uh, a five part series on waterfowl that we turned into an actual course. We did a five-part webinar series on uh, shorebirds and then a six-part webinar series on, on the raptors. And now I'm working on, on bringing one out for warblers, too. Those are the things people want. That's what, you know, we asked them when I first started. Mm-hmm. What do you want? And they told <laughs> they us told exactly them. what they want. All right. And so, the warbler, uh, yeah, warblers is the next one up. And when, when will that be available, do you think? We'll be starting that probably the first week of April. And it'll run six weeks. Uh, we'll have two sessions on a Thursday night to try to accommodate both coasts, and uh, yeah, we'll be we should be getting that up ready to advertise sometime in the near future. All right, certainly recommend folks try it out. How do they do it, Kevin? Go to academy.allaboutbirds.org. And then look under the Courses tab, and you'll see all of our online course offerings there. Warblers isn't there yet, but it will be soon, so um, you can check it out there. All right. Dr. Kevin McGowan, an ornithologist at the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, creator of wonderful things by which we can learn about birds. Give that website, Kevin, if you would, one more time. It's academy.allaboutbirds.org. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you, Ray. Coming up, it's our Mystery Bird Contest in just one minute. Here's an idea for the next time you're shopping for wild bird food. Look for the Audubon Park brand, a top choice among bird lovers for more than 40 years. All of Audubon Park's products meet the highest quality standards in the industry and have earned early compliance with the FDA's Food Safety Modernization Act. And Audubon Park products are easy to find at your supermarket, lawn and garden store, farm and feed market, and online retailers. For more information, visit audubonpark.com. 
Hi, it's Ray with your invitation to join us in the Galapagos Islands with Sunrise Birding. I'll be your host, joined by expert local guides who'll show us giant Galapagos tortoises and marine iguanas and incredible birds, including Darwin's famous finches. We'll even snorkel with Galapagos penguins. And there are now just two cabins still available. Get all the details right now at sunrisebirding.com. That's sunrisebirding.com. Our mystery bird contest is pretty simple. We play the sound of a bird, give some clues, and you call in and tell us what it is. Be the first to do it and win a beautiful droll Yankees feeder. If nobody gets the right answer, a drawing will determine the winner from among those who have called in and gave it a shot. 781-837-4900 is the number. 781-837-4900. Here's our mystery bird. a large, long-legged raptor with a black cap and a short crest. It has bare red skin on its face and a white neck and a mostly black body with faint barring on the upper back and breast. Are birds found in the open in the U.S. only in Arizona, Texas, and Florida, or is often seen with vultures feeding on carrion? What is our bird? Tell us or take a guess if you haven't won here in Talking Birds within six months. You're eligible. 781-837-4900 is the number to call. Meanwhile, Mike O'Connor is back from Florida. We'll talk with him live. It's Let's Ask Mike in just one minute. The Amazon's rainforest is being cut down so fast that by 2030, 55% of it could be completely wiped out. The Earth's forests can't speak up when they need help, but we can. Be the voice for those who have no voice. Visit worldwildlife.org. If we continue to consume our natural resources at the rate we do now, by 2050, it could take three Earths to meet our needs. The Earth can't speak up when it needs help, but we can. Be the voice for those who have no voice. Visit worldwildlife.org. I don't recycle. I mean, we can just find another planet for your kids to live on, you know? Noted non-recycler Tommy Crenshaw talks about the future. Oh, I can totally see finding another planet that can support life when ours fills up with trash. Log on to yougottobekidding.org and learn about all the ways you can recycle. Unless you're into lame excuses like Tommy's. Hey, recycling's just not my thing. Starting over on a new planet? Now that's exciting. Don't be that guy. Unless you want people looking at you funny. Log on to yougottobekidding.org. I think we're ready for Mike O'Connor in the uh, Birdwatchers uh, General Store location. Maybe we're not. I don't know. We, uh, Mike has been down in Florida, so he maybe he's kind of on Florida time now, kind of taking it, uh, taking it slow. And uh, we'll see what we can hook up with Mike because we want to talk about bird baths. You know, bird baths are such a great thing by which to attract birds to your yard. In uh, the northern part of the U.S. here, uh, sometimes bird baths are a little bit. Um, uh, tricky in the wintertime because they will freeze over if you don't have some kind of way to keep them from uh, doing that. And Mike has some suggestions about that. I know he does, but if we can get a hold of him here, we'll... Uh, do we get the wrong phone number for uh, for Mike or this time? Maybe Mike uh, will call us if he's if he's listening. But we're back here at the Mystery con uh, Bird Contest in, in any case. Did you call that second phone number there, Jesse? All right, we'll figure this out. But uh, meanwhile... Well, back to the mystery bird contest if we don't uh, connect with Mike. Where are we going here, Jesse? Are we going to uh, Mike or we're not going to Mike? Uh, are we going to Charlotte, who is down there in Rhode Island? Okay. We're not sure where, where we're going, but we will figure it out uh, for sure. Um, should we play our mystery bird again? There's our mystery bird, yeah. 
I think we, I think we have time for a good description of this uh, mystery bird. Meanwhile, our number is 781-837-4900. Our mystery bird is a large, long-legged uh, raptor with a black cap and a short crest. It has bare red skin on its face and a white neck and a mostly black body with faint barring on the upper back and breast. Our bird is found out in the open in the U.S., pretty much only in Arizona and Texas and Florida, where it is often seen with vultures uh, feeding on carrion. I believe I'm getting a signal that Mike is on the, on the line. Let's play the music for him again, just so he can feel comfortable about that. <laughs> Good morning, Mike. I got to pay this phone bill, Ray. That's a, that was my mistake, not paying the phone bill. First it was the electric bill, now it's the phone <laughs> bill. It's a pattern. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, anyway, I'm glad we uh, I'm glad we got you there because we want to know about this bird bass thing, and th- and this kind of uh, reflects uh, something to do with the uh, the electric as well, right? Well, right. Now that with now the weather's finally getting colder again, a lot of our bird bass are, are freezing up, and birds. I always say this. Not every bird needs bird seed, but every bird needs water. So you can get a lot more birds with water than you will with bird seed, believe it or not. And when they freeze up, uh, birds can't come to the bath. And I've talked about a sort of bird bath heaters before, but what happens with these heaters, they have thermostats in them, and so they only come on when it's cold. And I get a lot of customers that bring their heaters in, these little bird bath de-icers in, because they say they're not working. Trouble is, they have, they have a thermostat in them, so people get one, plug it in in their living room, and it doesn't turn on, and they think it's broken. Well, in order to test a, a heater, you need to put it in the freezer for about a half an hour to drop that thermostat, hmm. and then plug it in, and then it should be warm. And then, then if it doesn't heat up, then you can return it to wherever you bought it and explain it to them, because most of these have a two- or three-year warranty, mm-hmm. and they should take care of that. The other thing you should do is if it's not working out in your yard, all of a sudden it freezes up. Again, before you go running off to the store, go out to the to your yard where the same thing is plugged in, where the heater is plugged in, unplug it, and then perhaps plug in an, uh, like a hair dryer or something portable and test the electricity out there because a lot of times extension cords are defective or the GFIs on the outdoor uh, plugs have tripped and it's not working. So basically, you want to run a couple of tests before you go to the store and wait in line and start screaming at the lowly store clerk, which is me, <laughs> and, and saying there's something wrong. Because if there is something wrong, it can be f- fixed or replaced, but you know, kind of run through these steps. And then, then the bird bath, w- then you can know for sure if it's not working. The other thing mm-hmm. is the water should not freeze. It shouldn't be hot. Mm-hmm. So we're not making bird jacuzzis here. You want the water just to keep from freezing around 40 degrees. It should be open, but it shouldn't be boiling. If you yeah. put your hand in it and it's cold, that's working fine that's as long fine. as it doesn't ice over. Just needs to be in the liquid state. The liquid yeah. state, right. right. Hey, Mike, let me interrupt you for a moment because I, I know you love suet as a way to feed, and I didn't, uh, uh, in, the, in our little confusion there, didn't mention our prize for our mystery bird contest. So if you'll indulge me, we can say that the Droll Yankees double suet feeder is our prize on our mystery bird contest. You would oh, recommend such a feature. I was going to say that if you didn't. <laughs> uh, and our number there is 781-837-4900. That's 781-837-4900. Okay, so we've got the thing about uh, bird baths figured out, I think, there, right? How to, how to yeah, take care right. of that. Yeah, bird baths, that's a good thing to have. But before you go, if it's not working, run those steps. Test it in the house first. Dry it off. Don't plug it in when it's wet. And cool it off in the freezer. And then plug it in. And then also go to your, your, your place outside where it's plugged in and test it with, like, a hairdryer, some portable device 
to make sure the electricity is working. And if you do those steps and it's still not working, then go give the guy hell at the store, but <laughs> don't do it until you get there. All right. And by the way, you have recovered, I, I hope, from uh, your encounter with the Florida scrub jay. Right? My God, that's a, that's a one nasty bird. Almost took my... Didn't pass. <laughs> Well, I don't know if you heard Kevin McGowan, but you only had the bird land on your head. He oh had one God, make holes in his hat. He, he didn't poke a hole in my hat because, you know, I... Uh, <laughs> but still, they're so sweet. Oh, you, People should do that because there's not many. You know, their habitat's being restricted because um, they love that, that dry area, and all the dry areas in Florida, are, you know, turn into houses, so... Um, you should go down and find these places. Yeah. The place that I went to was the Helen and Alan Crickshank... Uh, uh, sanctuary. So check that out. Crickshank. That's what is that? C R U I C K Shank. Whatever you say is the correct. I think it's close to that anyway. <laughs> this point, it's a hard word to figure out how to pronounce. But anyway, that's right. Thanks for the info, Mike. Okay. All right. Talk we'll to talk to you soon. I don't know if we'll have time to get to a mystery bird call uh, contest call or not, but we're going to give it a try here. Jesse is writing furiously, 781-837-4900 is the number. Faith is in Pembroke, Massachusetts. Good morning, Faith. Good morning. Can you identify? This is my first time, oh, this yes. is my first time listening. Oh, I'm glad you're tuned in. We're not usually this uh, confused, but uh, it happens once in a while. But thanks for calling in. What do you think our mystery bird is? Is it a turkey vulture? It is not a turkey vulture, but guess what? We don't have time for another call, so you're going to be the winner. All right. How about Thank that? You. The bird is the crested cara cara. Stay on the line, Faith. <laughs> we'll get your okay. address. Send you that Joel Yankees feeder. Thank you. Crested Caracara, our mystery bird. Thanks, Jesse, for getting that call through in our last seconds here. That's our show for this week. Have a great one. We'll see you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. Orleans Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com by L.L. Bean, inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com By Celestron, offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron.com And by Chimani, visiting a national park, let Chimani guide you. Chimani.com